0: That's right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Principles of Fitness Podcast. My name is Cameron Harn, and I'm excited to welcome another member of the IOM Institute of Motion family, Mr. Johnny Sinclair. Johnny and I met back at the Institute of Motion Programming Summit in October down in Carlsbad, where myself and many other individuals spent three days just getting our minds blown from all the information that was presented to us during that weekend. Johnny and I actually got an opportunity to sit down and talk a little bit. I got to know him on a a more personal level, talking a little bit about his training center that he has down in Florida called The Hive. And I wanted to bring him on today to talk to him a little bit more about the Hive, how he got started in the fitness industry, and we dove deep into what makes a training facility great. What is that number one factor that takes a gym from surviving to thriving? So on this episode, you're going to find out some of the insights, the tools, the tactics that Johnny has used with other people to make gyms successful. So I'm excited to bring this episode to you. Johnny's such an amazing guy, and I'm stoked to have him on the show. So please, without further ado, welcome Mr. Johnny Sinclair. Yeah, man. So, welcome. Have you listened to the podcast before? Are you familiar with uh, with this format or anything?
1: Uh, not specifically with yours, no.
0: Okay. Very cool. What, what other podcasts have you listened to?
1: Um, Like some comedy podcast we I okay myself have a podcast for the seven movements program that we have so we oh really yeah we film stuff as well for for our podcast too so i'll get you on mine
0: oh fantastic that'd be great yeah yeah, man i mean ultimately um just a quick little backstory so you're familiar uh i started this because i want to help fitness professionals realize that this is a great career and that they can be very successful. So I want to have people on that are kind of like the authorities that nobody's really talking about. So the people that are just crushing it in the industry, but either they haven't heard of them or just like, they're just, they're just constantly grinding and doing what they're doing to be successful or to be at the top. And for me, I was trying to get out of the fitness industry when I started. I had parents and other people who told me that this, wasn't, this couldn't be a career, that you can't have a pension or have 401k being a personal trainer, that you need to go into a real job. And I, I hated that. I hate when people tell me that what I do isn't a real job. And I want to break that and show everybody that, yes, this is a legitimate career when you treat it like a business. Because I treated my business like a hobby for the longest time. And it wasn't until I switched that mindset, treated it like a business that I started to realize like, whoa, I can actually provide a living for my family and impact the world in a pretty significant way.
1: That's awesome, dude. Really exciting that these are the type of people that you're that you're going after to try and share that with folks, because like you said there's there's more people leaving the industry than there is people. I think people start up in the industry, but I think what the average the average length of time someone spends in the fitness industry as a career is like less than six months.
0: yeah, it's very short lived because they realize how difficult it is to to the sell themselves and to relay that value over to people. And I think there's significant value in what we do as fitness professionals. In my conversation with you, I mean, I saw significant value in being at the Institute of Motion Summit, being there, talking with you, learning a little bit about what you do at your place in, uh, in Florida. Can you talk a little bit about the Hive? I mean, just get, give everybody a little bit of uh, background about who Johnny Sinclair is. Sure. Uh, do you want me to start from kind of like how I end? entered the industry or do you just want me to talk about my place? How you enter the industry would be great. We can kind of lead into your place.
1: Great. So um, in high school, I knew right away what it was that I was going to be doing for a living. Um, I'm fortunate Mm -hmm. in that um, I knew I always wanted to be involved in something to do with sports or movement or physical activity. (laughs) I remember quite vividly um, There was a time where myself and my friends, I grew up in a small town in, in Lucky Lakes called Lucky Lake. Uh, it was a small town in Saskatchewan in the prairies of Canada. And okay. it was, you know, a town of 300 people, you got to get pretty creative how you're going to entertain yourself, right? And so.
0: Yeah. Uh, oh, man.
1: My, yeah. I remember my friends and I uh, deciding to build a skateboard ramp. So this is back in like 1988. And so skateboards were just kind of, you know, at least in Canada, were just starting to get popular, but there wasn't a lot of sidewalks where I'm from. So it made it very difficult. There's no pavement. It was all gravel roads. So it made it very difficult to skateboard. So we decided to build our own skateboard ramp. I was like 12 years old. And I remember okay. just being absolutely terrible at it. And uh, <laughs> I remember at a very early age, but I was very athletic and I loved physical education. I loved going to gym class. I loved recess and everything. I'll never forget my friend's. You know, we're trying to identify roles within our little group of how to get skateboarding a little bit busier in, in our small town, right? And everyone's okay. like, okay, I'm going to teach tricks. And this person's going to teach how to do the half pipe. And this person's going to – and they're like, John, what do you want to teach? And I was like, maybe I should teach them how to stretch before we start. <laughs> <laughs> 12 years old because I was brutal on a skateboard, right? And yeah. Good about everything else. And uh that's so that's awesome. kinda like when I knew that, you know, maybe my calling's to do something to do with movement. And um, you know, I ended up be- befriending Phys Ed teachers, which was kind of weird. Um, I had a lot of I had close relationships with my Phys Ed teachers. I was always called on to whether it's demonstrate the 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 skill that you were doing in phys ed or to help coach. And then I kinda got into coaching.
0: And so I started really? coaching my
1: brother's baseball team and and teaching power skating and stuff like that at an earlier age, like right when I went into university. And so I knew that my, my direction had to go into either kinesiology or physical education. So I applied to three universities, got into my first choice, didn't get into the other two, which was kind of odd, but I went to the university of Alberta and I wanted to be a hockey player. Unfortunately, I wasn't quite good enough to crack that lineup. They have one of the top, uh, they're the top school in Canada for hockey and, um, so, you know, after a couple years of playing junior hockey in Edmonton, I decided, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to hang up the skates and, and maybe get into athletic therapy, which is what I was studying in university. And so I started getting involved with the varsity teams and with some, uh, other junior a hockey teams. And it eventually led me to working as the athletic trainer slash, uh, strength and conditioning coach for a junior a hockey team in the town called Fort Saskatchewan in Alberta in Canada. That's and, awesome. Um, that led me to starting to work at a at the local gym that was there, and the lady that was was the owner. was like, maybe you could just run this for me. And so that was my <laughs> first opportunity at like running an operation and not really knowing what I'm doing. And, and no uh, prior experience I mean, to that. Yeah, no. I was, you know, I was worked in like the university gym here and there, but mostly, okay. and you know, working with hockey teams, which was something that I knew quite well. Uh, to going into a gym facility and I did that for about a year and a half and then a new coach came in and wanted to bring on his new athletic trainer so I was like well driving back and forth going to this little old gym out of town and I saw an ad in the paper Um, it was about the size of a thumbnail and it was like world health is coming to Edmonton from Calgary personal trainers needed so I said to my wife hey it's only a couple blocks from where we're staying um, at the time, we were just boyfriend, girlfriend, we weren't engaged or anything yet. I'm like, maybe we'll okay. check this place out. And so long story, even longer, I <laughs> went, in, went in, met this guy. His name was Jeff Thirsk. He uh, was the general manager of the facility. He had recently been working at a, another club chain in Edmonton. said, yeah, man, you're the first guy that's walked through the doors. Would you want to work as a personal trainer here? Start by just bringing some clients in and we'll we'll see what happens. I said, well, how's your program work? He goes, we don't even know. We don't have one yet. <laughs> and so fast forward uh, almost, I think 12 years I was with them and we developed their oh, wow. their program into a very legitimate, uh, you know, make, making millions of dollars in personal training revenue just out of our, out of our facility. There was 26 in the, in the entire club chain. I was the first one hired in Edmonton. And then I became, um, through the ranks from, personal trainer to head personal trainer to fitness manager to fitness director to director of, of education and performance. And, and the next thing, you know, I get, uh, I kept going and doing my continuing education myself. So they, because of my position, they kind of flew me all over the place. I'd go to conferences, learn what everybody else is doing, come back, create some curriculum, teach back to the, we had like three or 400 personal trainers spread out between two cities and I would just kind of go back and forth, have my own personal training clients, and then train or educate some of the other coaches of what I've learned, and this is how I've put it into practice. And we built a really nice curriculum and, and some really good business systems in that company. and uh, I became involved with um, the company PTA Global. I became one of the first faculty for that organization, which certifies personal trainers. That was in around 2009, I believe. Mm -hmm. And, um, so by this time I'd already been in the industry for about 10 years, um, and then got some more education and, uh, PTA global kind of, uh, continued to do what they were doing great. And then Michelle Delcourt, who is the founder of of IOM, he was also the found, one of the co-founders of PTA global. And we got involved in, um, starting a company called the Institute of Motion, And so that's where we were kind of the sciencey, goofy, uh, brainy types that wanted to really explore uh, the human body and what it, how it functions and and how the body's completely integrated. And so we kind of went down that path and uh, in the, so we started that in, I believe, 2011. And then I was still doing a little bit of work for PTA Global at the time as a uh, consultant and faculty member and then in 2013 i got recruited to become the fitness director for midtown athletic club in florida okay. so the wife and i decided well let's pack everything up and move to florida cuz who doesn't want to live to florida when you're living in edmonton alberta canada where you're freezing <laughs> your butt off the the prospect of wearing short pants every day sounded really good right and uh, so we packed up and moved down here and moved away from our family and my business and everything and And World Health, which was really tough because that's where all my, you know, my friends and my whole life was. And same thing with our family. We don't have any family down here. And so we just, you know, took a shot in the wind and decided to do it. And uh, so I spent two years with Midtown Athletic Club, uh, which was a very amazing experience to run a massive athletic club. So I was in charge of overseeing the aquatics department, the group exercise, the personal training, the small group personal training and then performance for tennis. And uh, yeah, that was a pretty amazing experience to get to do that. But I had kind of fallen out of love with um, uh, the whole idea of working for a corporate entity. Oh, man. So, <laughs> Sorry about cool. that, man. Yeah. Um, it, I mean, it's a broken record, right? We all hear it. But you know what? I, yeah. I can't I can't say that what I'm doing today would have been possible without that experience of working in a corporate environment um, because I learned about business. And so in learning about business really helped me understand how to operate not only as a owner of a facility now, uh, because when I left Midtown, I was like, "Okay, well, now what are we going to do? And, you know, it was panic time because my visa was attached to Midtown Athletic Club. Yeah. So I had to try and figure out, well, how am I going to stay in the United States? Am I going to stay in the United States or am I going to move back from Canada to start from scratch? So as destiny would have it, I met, um, my current business partner, Andy Hanley. Um, he was going to leave his job and he wanted to start his own place. And he had heard that I was leaving Midtown Athletic Club. So we, we had never met each other before. And so we met at Starbucks for a cup of coffee and he's like, you know, I'm, would like to see if you'd want to personal train with me at my facility. And I said, sure, here's my CV. I sent it to him ahead of time. We kind of just had a chat and he's like, yeah, I don't think you're going to be interested in want to just be a personal trainer with me. And I was like, no, that sounds awesome. Like I'm six days removed from <laughs> quitting my job and not having <laughs> anything. Um, I would love to work with you. I think, you know, we're, we're in perfect alignment of what we want to do in our career. And, and uh he, calls me the next day and he goes, actually, I think I might want to partner with you. Do you want to do this together? Wow. And so that, and so it was really cool because I was like, dude, I don't have any money. (laughs) And he goes, that's okay. I love your brain. I want to pick your brain. Let's do this together and do it right. And so, um, we started the hive, uh, performance and health coaching and, um, we've been doing it now for almost not well, about a year and a half. We started planning it in December of 2015, I believe. Yeah. And so now we're we're going gangbusters, and at the point now where we got to expand our place because we're doing so well. So,
0: no way! Congratulations on that,
1: man. Yeah, thanks.
0: Yeah, that's incredible. Well, this is like that's a long journey, and it seems like it's you've been heading down the right path. I mean, it's incredible. It's it's a story that not too many can say they have. I want to backpedal a little bit. Let's go back to um, so world health. And you helped develop their program. Did you have any prior experience to like management where, I mean, how did you help develop
1: this program to what it was? You know, it was, I laugh about it now because at the time, like we all do, we were full of piss and vinegar, you know, and we think we know everything. Yeah. And you know, you know I was pretty successful I guess in in helping some folks out but I think more than anything I was just really eager to try and learn as much as possible and share it. So um what happened was um the company at the time this was maybe about 4 or 5 years in no maybe less than that maybe 3 or 4 years in I can't remember all the dates blend together now but I'm so Yeah. Worried. um, <laughs> <laughs> um they, uh, hired a consultant and a, and a group of folks from the U S to come up. And they had one guy that was kind of hired as the regional director, if you will. And he was like, we want to start instituting some education. I was like, Hey, that's awesome. And he's, what can you teach? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, this is what I do. And he's like, great. Let's put that into a course. Okay. So we started <laughs> developing a course. And he's like, what else can you do? I said, well, I guess I'm pretty good at selling some stuff. Selling personal training. Okay, let's put that into a course. And it just kind of flowed from there. Really? I, like, hey, you know what? I think our coaches need to know what core training is. Can you build a course on core training? I was like, yeah, sure. And then I built a course on core training. And then it was like, what's functional exercise? I said, I don't think anybody knows what functional Nobody
0: exercise is. Nobody knows.
1: Well, let's, let's build a course on that. I'm like, yeah, great. The most nebulous term in the industry. And this was like in 2004, right? 2005. Oh, like, wow. Yeah, we'll build a course on that. And so then that's when the all the conferences started getting a little bit more popular. Like personal trainers were coming from all over and coming to these courses. So what I started doing is I started just bouncing around to all these, listen to what like Gray Cook was saying. And then I'd come back and I'd go, guys, here's how you run the functional movement screen, right? Yeah. And then it was, it was like, okay, we'll build a course on how to run the functional movement screen. And then that got adapted into our onboarding process. And so from day one, it was like, here's the questions I asked somebody to build programs for them. And I think maybe maybe going back, that's maybe the best way to describe it is I was really good at designing strength and conditioning programs because that's where I was at. Right. So then okay. I just kind of adapted those questionnaires for people, um, to, for folks that just wanted to either lose weight or get in better shape or look better or what have you that where the general population is going to come to the gym. Right. Yeah. And, um, and then we just started, experimenting with stuff really. And whoever was really successful, we just kind of started to drip feed that into the company's systems. And then it onboarding changed. And then point of sale personal training came around where we started teaching how to sell personal training when someone walks right through the front door. So we had a really amazing system at World Health where I think it was probably 2004 or 2005, we started maybe doing it. And we were selling forty percent of people walking through the doors were buying personal training.
0: Wow, so, that's amazing. You know, I,
1: give, I give such an amazing credit to to those guys at World Health that really championed the idea of point of sale personal training because that took our business to a whole other level. Where now we could start feeding new trainers that were coming in. Okay. And we got to the point where we got so efficient that you know some of the guys that were involved, we had to build positions just for those guys to just. They would go see a fitness consultant for the membership and then go see a, um, uh, we called them head trainer. So the head trainer would now sell the personal training and then then they would come to us coaches. And then, you know, and it was just this really fluid system that we really kind of just stumbled upon and just kind of saw what other people in the industry were doing and baked it into our systems. And, and it became very, very successful.
0: So it was kind of a... Uh... I think it's interesting that it was okay, well let's let's ask Johnny and figure out what he says and then okay, we'll build a course around that. That sounds great. And you're just kinda of like the go-to guy. Was that how you
1: always were? Is that how you always been? Um I can't take credit for all of it, obviously, at World Health. I mean, there was twenty six clubs there and there were lots of great leaders, like great managers that have been around for a long time. And I think what we did as a group, I remember, you know, us fitness managers at the time we, uh, we all kind of worked together as a team, even though we were in different clubs in different cities, we were always striving to try and do something, you know, a little bit better for our clubs. And that was because we had great, we had great owners and we had great general managers and we had great fitness managers and we all really worked together. I, I remember us, you know, they would bring us all into one room and, uh, we spent two days stuck in one room really trying to hammer out what our mission vision and core values were, you know? And so to have a group like that was really cool to be part of a corporate culture. And then for us to make a positive impact on what's the direction of this company going and where, how are we going to do that? Was I a part of that leadership group? Yeah, I was. And was I kind of the one labeled as the education guy? Yeah, I was. But we also recruited a lot of other trainers to help, help us teach along the way. And for us to, come together and build a really cool educational program. And that's something I've really been proud of to this day is the fact that we were running at least five or six courses every month for years and years and years that these coaches could come and do for free. And, and actually we would pay them to attend. So it was pretty special how it grew over this time. I think I was, I've always kind of been a bit of a leader in that I want to be the first, first one in line. Yeah, kind of that way with sports, you know. Like, it's time to do ground ball practice. I was the first one up. You know, it's time to do hitting (laughs) clubs. I'm the first one up. Um, It was just something I would always jump in with both feet and hope that I could swim afterwards. So,
0: so I feel like a lot of clubs they try to emulate this this uh, like you know we're a team attitude, but they they fail miserably at it. Honestly, I mean, they there's some type of chemistry. There's something that's missing. Do you know what it is that made you guys so successful? Was it just the the willingness to see the greater picture for the club and know that if the club does well, we're gonna do well? Like what is it? What's that secret
1: sauce that helped everybody out? I think um because I came in with myself and the general manager that when we started out together, um it was it was a close family. Um and I think that's maybe the key point is that because we started something from scratch, we took ownership of it. Okay. Whereas being kind of baked in over time, you know, it, it's harder to sell the concept of a grand vision when you're coming into it. And I experienced that at Midtown Athletic Club. I was told this is the vision. This is where we're going to go. But because I wasn't part of the original group of it, it didn't feel as family-like as it did with World Health. And I think with what we created at world health, it was something we could all buy into because even people coming in knew that, well, John and Jeff have been here since the start, you know? Yeah. And, and then when we brought in some of our other big players that are still there today, um, my good friend, Ricky Tran is, is a GM in the company now. And, you know, and my other good friend, Curtis Houghton, he's also in the company still too. and, these guys have created that culture because they knew that, hey, these guys were around from the get-go. These guys are the leaders in the company, right? And that really comes from the trickle down from the ownership, you know? I mean, how many of the trainers in Coral Gables have a personal relationship with with the owner of Equinox? Right? <laughs> yeah. Whereas for us it was a small enough group out of twenty six clubs, but your top performers, they also brought us down to Mexico to party with them right? So you had a a yearly, um, contest of, of sales proficiency and, and good service that if you were in the top of the company, then we're all going and partying in Mexico together, you know? And so I won that five years in a row. So how cool is that, that you can be in a pool at a swim up bar hanging out with your owner because it's like family. And so I think that was the, the key for our success was that we were such a, a close knit group that, um, that's what that's what helped anchor that that whole mindset of teamwork together is that there was no other reason for doing it other than just that to your point if i'm successful and the owners are successful then we're successful and we know our clients are going to be successful right
0: so then moving over to midtown athletic club in florida you're you're there kind of managing helping out were you trying to bring some of that that family those values over to midtown and did it work or was there some resistance how did that flow for you
1: Yeah um I think one of the things that I was recruited to do was to come in and help solidify that team Okay and you know one of the big things that the guy that brought me in his name is Scott Scott Hopson he was the uh, also a co-founder of PTA Global great guy brilliant mind um you know, very astute coach. And he's like, John, you got to get in there and you got to bring this team together because they're all over the place. And so right from the get-go, that was my real... I think that was the thing that I needed to try and do. Or that was my focal point of what I was going to do with that. And, um, you know, it takes time to be able to do it. But the most important thing was I had to show them that this is what I've done in the past. This is how I can get you guys successful. And this is the path that we're going to do it on. And the only way that we can do that is we actually come together as, as a family and spend time together and enjoy one another's company. And, um, and we were pretty successful at that. Um, I gained some lifelong friends, uh, from working there. Um, I've got lots of people with great relationships. Um, but, being in a bigger corporation, and a bigger facility, you've got lots of different people that are moving in different directions and it's hard to bring that together, but our personal training department and fitness department as, as a whole did really well. We increased our, our revenues by 24% our first year.
0: That's great. Um,
1: our second year we improved from the previous year, another, I think it was 11 or 12%. And so we did really good as a team and we, you only do that because you try to create really great relationships, and what made us very successful as a fitness department was that um, we really loved spending time with one another. And th- there's always going to be an outcast here or there, and and um, that that's where the challenge is: is always try to bring people in that are going to fit your mold and fit what you what you're striving to do and realize that your job as a manager is to make everybody successful around you, not you try to be the most successful person. And I think that's where, where great managers do a great job is put people in a position to be successful and fight like, you know, like you have no other chance in life unless you fight for the people underneath you. And I think that's something I've always done in sports was if, you know, if, You threatened one of my teammates, you were going to deal with me. And so (laughs) what I wanted to do was create that environment where, no, if you're going to mess with anyone on my team, you're messing with me. And so I wanted to make sure that my team was always satisfied in terms of feeling, first and foremost, safe and secure, not only in their job, but in their um, to have the opportunity to be successful and whatever success meant for them. And so the only way you can really do that is to, to have a relationship with these people and really get to know them and understand what makes them tick and what drives them to want to do this career. Because if we were in it for exercise, we wouldn't be in it. <laughs> yeah. That's the reality. I mean, we're in this business because of relationships and and whether it's a relationship that you have with your client or your manager or your the coworkers that you have, that's really why we do this job is because it's the most personal job you could ever find. I believe.
0: So what would you do to help build those relationships to bring people together? Uh, like, would you guys go out together? Would, did you lock each other in the room for two days and just try to figure out what are our core values? What, what's our mission here?
1: Well, I think the thing you have to try to find the things that you guys have in in common with one another right and so you know if you've got a group of people that don't like to party but you want to take them out and party and that's not really going to work so well um, <laughs> yeah. the, the trick is spend a lot of time trying to figure out what makes everybody tick and so we tried doing that in just weekly meetings come together let's get together let's play let's have a little bit of fun um, my old fitness manager Ricky Tran a good buddy of mine he always said a, a team that plays together stays together and so we would always want to kind of get together and the men having a fun game of volleyball or out on the beach or just hanging around and playing little games and, and doing those types of things. And that's what we would do. If it was education, then we would talk and get together about what's one really cool thing that you learned here this week. And so when you would share those experiences, you'd get to know about each other a little bit more. And then I th- thought the thing that was really great is that people would work out together. You learn a lot about somebody just by, hey, what are you doing for a workout today? Do you mind if I join you, right? And just get to spend some time with one another. It doesn't always have to be outside. I think once people leave the facility, I, you know, they're they're checked out. It's time to go home and spend time with their family and their loved ones, right? Yeah. And then the- quarterly we would get together and we would have, you know, if not quarterly, you know, fairly frequent where we would get together and just, Hey guys, we're all going out to this place to have a dinner together or to chill out and let's go play and have some fun. So I don't think there's any real recipe for it. It's really just trying to find how you connect everybody together and and uh how to be on the same page. And that's what we did at at the Hive. So my place here in Florida is all is we wanted to take coaches who had maybe in the past worked at a corporate facility. And let them know that we're going to do everything opposite of what you hate about working at a corporate facility. So, A, you're not going to be an employee. We're going to teach you how to build your own business. So start your own LLC. You're going to come work underneath our umbrella. We're going to coach you. We're going to educate you. And we're going to come and we're going to have a lot of fun and just kind of bugger around and and have a great time coaching young athletes or folks that just want to feel better. And uh, we've created a culture now where the energy is just phenomenal because your performance doesn't impact on my performance. You can work as hard as you want or as little as you want, but every time you come in, you're going to have a great time and we're going to have an awesome time together, right? And so it's been really interesting play, playing a different role um, than playing in the corporate realm where we we have a budget or you have you have to sell this much or you have to do this, right, in order to hit our team goal, which was set down by a regional director, which was set down by a CFO or a CEO. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Work as hard as you want. And as long as you're paying your rent for for the folks that are coming in to see you, I just hope you have a great time and, and make sure that you feel that you're getting everything you need from this and that you have a room over your head and know that you always have a home to come to. That's how we treat it is just like one big family.
0: Now, are you selective with the people that you bring into the hive? Because if you know you just welcome anybody in, it can disrupt your, your culture and the what you've worked so hard to
1: create. It's funny how the universe works. Because we haven't had a single jerk walk through our doors. We've had the most genuine, amazing people walk through the doors and say, wow. I, I need a place to house. And I don't know if it's you know it's if it's the law of the law of this world or what it is that you know you get consumed with the energy that we have in the in the environment and people are just like yeah this is where I want to be and so there's no egos you know and that's tough to do in this industry there's a lot of people that are you know flexing and trying to show that I know more than you
0: <laughs> seriously
1: you know my clients and that kind of crap that goes on in the industry that that doesn't exist at our facility. In fact, I remember sharing with you when we met at, at the IOM Summit that I was like, hey, I've got clients taking my clients as we speak. right? Yeah. So I go away. My clients need to be taken care of. Go go have Andy coach you for a little while. right? Experience what it's like to coach with him because at the end of the day, you're going to want to go away. And then you're going to feel better knowing that your clients are taken care of. And guess what? I'm going to pay you a percentage of of taking that client, and I 'm going to keep a percentage, so then now you've just paid your own vacation, right
0: yeah, exactly, but I feel like you know we've talked about this before at the summit that there are too many people who are afraid of someone stealing their client or the the trainer trying to show the client that they have more value in some way, and it becomes threatening you know you don't have that family knit invite you wouldn't do that to your own family. You, you want to protect them and know that the people that they're looking after, it's just going to be, you know, they're going to do the same for you eventually.
1: That's exactly it. It's do unto others as others would do unto you, you know? Um, yeah. Ex- you know, I, like, what is that? They call it the golden rule. I've been watching Kirby Enthusiasm. I think that's what Larry David lives by is his golden rule. <laughs> yeah. Where I, you know, he takes it to a whole other level. Um, but, you know, I think it's just, You know, if you take care of people around you, they're going to want to take care of you. And it's really that simple. Absolutely. Um, I I don't get into the, hey, this is my client. I'm like, you don't have ownership over anybody in this world. Um, The fact that you think you do shows you how naive you are, is that Mm -hmm. this is your client. I mean, that doesn't even exist. People have free will to spend their money on anything that they want in, in this country and they can choose where they want to go. So all you're doing is you are, it's the difference of in service for versus in service of, right? Yeah. And so we are in service of making sure that people feel better when they leave than they did when they came, came in. And that's it. It's that simple. Our, our tool is exercise, but the business is relationships. And if you can't have a relationship with your coworker that shows that you both have a mutual uh, understanding and respect for one another that you both want to do what's best for that individual, then you're in the wrong business.
0: Yeah. Have you heard, and I want to touch on this with the, uh, the family thing. Have you heard of, uh, Simon Sinek in his book, Leaders Eat Last?
1: Yep. Yeah.
0: So exactly. he talks about that circle of safety, right? And those who are within the circle of safety they're going to be, you know, protected by everyone inside and any any outside dangers they can't penetrate it because everybody is so they're on the same page. They're looking after each other and they know that, you know, together they will survive but alone they're just going to fall apart.
1: Yeah, and I think that's maybe why we've been so successful in, you know, of not having somebody that Comes through the gates and becomes a cancer to everybody else. I mean, that just wouldn't happen because now our circle is so uh, welded together that they have to work really hard to enter that circle. Right? We're gonna we're gonna bring them in. We're gonna let them feel comfortable coming in and know that they're part of the family from day one. If they don't fit in, they'll weed themselves out. Right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so now, kind of want to transition into you going into. PTA Global and presenting, doing these speaking engagements because I believe you're an international presenter also. I mean, you talk all over the place. I and mean, we just said before we got on the call that you were in um, was it Singapore? Yeah. So how was that transition for you to go into you know, you're in a management position? You're starting to educate people here and there, and now like now you're presenting to people on strength and conditioning business, all these things, how was that transition for you?
1: Yeah, it was, um, I think had I not had the opportunity to spend so much time with the the trainers and coaches at World Health, I think it would have been a scary proposition to stand up in front of a bunch of people that they don't know who you are and what you know and and being on that circuit of going and presenting at Idea or CanFit Pro and all these conferences all over North America. Um, I think it would have been pretty scary, but I was fortunate. I had great mentors. Um, getting involved with PTA Global really changed my career. In fact, it actually saved my career. There was a point where I was getting burnt out, just like most of us coaches have in the past. Where no way? Yeah, you're training like you know, fifty to sixty hours a week of training one-on-one clients, and I was just getting burnt out. And I remember sitting on the couch with my wife, just saying. I don't know if I can do this anymore. Maybe it would be better if I just went and sold oil field equipment. (laughs) And and, uh, and so she's like, well, what do you really want to be doing? And I was like, I'd love to be educated more because I really get energized when I'm in front of a group of coaches and we're discussing different stuff. Like, I would drive three hours to Calgary, teach for eight hours and come home for three hours and still have an abundance of energy when I'd get home. I was like, this was awesome. This is what we did today.
0: You're like electrified.
1: Yeah. I was like, I got to do more of this. So I got on a, I email. She's like, well, who do you know that could help you with that? And I was like, well, definitely Michelle Delcourt. You know, he was in Edmonton at the time. And I think he had just moved to California actually from Edmonton. And we didn't, didn't really know each other really, really well. Ironically, we went to the same university. He was only, he was one year ahead of me. Really? And, uh, yeah. I joke all the time. I said, Michelle the reason why Michelle and I never saw each other is because he was always in the library and I was in the bar. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, but he, uh, you know, I called him and I was like, Hey, you know what? I I need to get more on, I want to be presenting more and sharing, you know, what I'm sharing here at world health. How do you think I can do that? And, uh, and he's like, well, this is what I'm doing now, John, you know, we're starting a, uh, I've invented a, a tool called Viper. And I'd love for you to get your hands on it. Go over to uh, Simon Bennett's place. Simon is the head strength and conditioning coach of, and uh, director of strength and conditioning, I should say, for the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club. And he's like, go over to Simon's place and start playing with this thing and give me your feedback. I said, okay, great. And then he goes and then give Richard a call. I was like, okay. So I give Richard Boyd a call. And Richard was the um, owner of uh, PT on the net. And so I was like, yeah. perfect. If I can get into PT on the net and be writing for them and doing videos and stuff, then that'll that'll inspire me to keep personal training, right? And so I give him a call and he's like, John, I love that you reached out to me. Thank you so much. Unfortunately, I just sold PT on the net. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, no. I was like, Don't worry. I've got the newest, coolest thing out. We've been working on it for a year, and it's called PTA Global. And I think you'd really be interested. And I'm like, okay, cool. What is it? He's like, well, we've created a new certification, and here's all the guys that – here's the 26 authors that um, helped create this content. So it was like Gary Gray, Gray Cook, Annette Lang, Bobby Capuccio, Michelle. Listing all these guys that created the content, right? I'm like, holy cow. These are the people that I'm traveling around to go see and learn education from so I can come back and teach. I'm like, I'm in. I'm in. This is it. I know this is what I want to be doing. He's like, Sinclair, I don't think you got it. Right, because that's how Richard is. He knows how to get you, right? Yeah. So Richard's like, Johnny, you got to try out, buddy. I was like, okay, I got it. I'm gonna try out. I'm gonna make this team. He's like, yeah, because we're gonna need, we're gonna need master trainers. We're gonna need faculty. We're gonna need people teaching us all over the world. I'm like, dude, I'm in. He's like, okay, well, come to our first mentorship and show us that you know what you're talking about. So I go there and one mentorship goes down. Then they invite us to a second, second mentorship goes down. So you had to do all the content, right? So you had to do all the education, go to the mentorships, do the next advanced course, go through the next mentorship. Then you get invited back to a teaching school. And so these mentors basically took us and taught us how to present all this content. And it was a phenomenal experience. And so, you know, without the help of, um, you know Dwyer, Rodney Corn, Bobby Capuccio, Michelle Delcourt, Scott Hobson, and Richard Boyd. I wouldn't be here where I am today without those guys mentoring me along the way and really learning about not only just presenting but they're the ones that open the doors and then further to that was all the faculty the guys that were trying out for the faculty, right so you spend as much time as we did together um they become not only your closest friends, so they're. Price and Derek Vanderbrink were one of the first crew that came through and now we're involved in IOM together right and they're like my brothers and we work with each other every day so um, it was really cool to and and those are just two guys that I'm naming there was like 15 of us that first went through it and they're still good friends today and so when when you learn with that many great people around you you have no choice to get better and it wasn't because i did anything spectacular it was because i was surrounded by such great people that helped bring out the best in me
0: i mean that's just that's incredible and as long as you're surrounded by those people i mean you've got nowhere to go but up because they're going to lift you up they don't want to see you fail they want to see you succeed and that's such an incredible story johnny thank you for sharing that man Because, I mean, I feel, you know, you said it, a lot of people get burnt out. I got burnt out at one point too. And but mine was only more, more so that I didn't, I couldn't see the value in what I was doing because people were telling me that there was no value. And came upon a shift when I met my mentor and he showed me the value that I had in what I do. And it just reignited you know, a passion in me that I, I hadn't seen in a long time. Uh, what are some of the lessons that these mentors taught you? What are some things that kind of stuck out with you and that maybe you still apply today?
1: Yeah, so the first one I mentioned earlier is that we're in the relationship business. yeah, uh, And that we're not really personal trainers. We're actually coaches. And that was one thing that really stuck out at me because personal trainer never really connected with me, um, as a title. Um, but coach really did because some of the people that, you know, I felt were my big role models. Number one, when I was a kid was my dad, Mm -hmm. um, because he was my coach and he, he, was more than just my, just more than my dad. He was my coach. Like I wanted nothing more than to throw the ball with him or to go skating with him, you know, and for him to help me along the way. And so, um, then I befriended physical education, (laughs) teachers, you know? And so I always wanted to be around people that were helping elevate me um, from a movement standpoint. And so, you know, Annette Lang was one of those people that said, you know, a coach is the guide by the side. They're not the sage on the stage. They're not the person that is out in front. And unfortunately, nowadays, with Instagram and Facebook and all the social media oh. is that like you got people trying to become a sage on the stage and give me all these followers and
0: seriously, for me
1: I've always been the one that I was like that. There's no question about it. I was very egotistical, and there was a time where I felt no, just listen to what I'm talking about because I know what I'm talking about. And then I started to when I went through the PTA Global um, experience, they gave me the the permission to not have to know everything and what a relief that was because that was the position I was put in, in world health was you're an authority. People are going to come to you with questions. Make sure you give them an answer. If you don't know the answer, find the answer. Yeah. What PTA global did was they allowed me to have permission to be humble again and to be that person that is always learning. That was such an important lesson for me to learn is that still to this day, and while some might say, oh, well, look at your resume and look at all the things that you've done, I'm still in pursuit of trying to figure this stuff out because I don't have all any of the answers, really. I have some answers, but I still don't really know what it is that I do so well. I, I think I'm just maybe a little bit more intuitive than some folks and and have a lot of experience of doing this. You know, I'm probably encroaching in. Oh, goodness, maybe 17,000, 18,000 hours of personal training.
0: Wow, oh, that's so I've incredible.
1: I've done a lot of stuff over these years, and uh, I've made a lot of mistakes, and I'm okay making mistakes because if, if I wasn't okay with it, it would have drove me crazy a long time ago. So um, I think those are some of the, the main lessons that I've learned is to be humble, to be authentic. I mean, that's why my, my company's name is Authentic Health Coaching. Um, I think that's the most important thing you could be is authentic, be yourself and, uh, don't try to be something that you're not, um, stay in your lane, <laughs> you know, don't <Like>, yeah. <laughs> try to do more than what, than what you're comfortable doing and, uh, and be happy just knowing that you get to actually change somebody's life one hour at a time. I mean, if you can do that at scale, then now you're really riding a wave of, of good positive emotions. And so if you can enhance somebody's health and happiness, I mean, what more could you ask for in this world?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's so well said, Johnny. I want to ask, how did PTA global give you permission to not have all the answers? Like, can you elaborate on that a little bit more?
1: Um, I went through a little bit of a crisis while I was there. and, And part of it was because, um, the manner in which they presented information was not only just authentic, but it was, it was in servitude. And they presented the information in a way that um, allowed us to know that, you know, there's going to be leaders and mentors all around you, and you're going to have peers around you that are going to help build you up. And in order to build you up, you have to almost deconstruct yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, because you have to get rid of all that crap that you've carried around with you for so long you got to kind of break that down so I remember having a it was a it was a little lunch break or just a little break that we had in the presenting and I kind of walked out and I pulled Bobby Capuccio aside and and uh, he helped me break through a lot of my belief systems on what we were doing and what the what our company was doing at the time and and how I could be an agent of change for them. And so I presented some information. I can't even really remember what I, what I asked him or what I said in my statement. And he said something very profound. He was like, how do you know that's true? All right. <laughs> we, we live, you know, two inches from our face, which is our own perception of reality, which probably isn't even reality, but you tell yourself it over and over and over again. And next thing you know, it's true. And, or your truth, which isn't actually truth at all. Mm-hmm. And so I, st- when he said that, it was like, Oh, what a relief off my shoulders. I'm like, I don't know if that's true. Yeah. That's just my perception of it. Right. And totally. that, like that, it changed everything for me. I was like, I got to start looking at things through a completely different lens. And once I started doing that, then that made me realize that, you know what, this, this, this whole thing that we've put together is a bit of a facade in this industry and maybe we need to deconstruct it and look at this from a different perspective. And that perspective better be our clients because we we had always looked at strength and conditioning from the coach's perspective, right? Yeah. Not from the behavior and the communication, from habits that need to change for people, from what their lifestyle is actually like and why that's so important to them and understanding more of the psychology of it, right? And so once I... I guess, gave myself permission to look at the world through a different lens, then everything kind of changed for me in terms of how I was going to continue in this industry.
0: And I got to say, that's what's so incredible about the Institute of Motion. And when Ryan Glatt uh, kind of exposed it to me, one, through observing the mentorships, two, through the IOM app. It, it completely shifted my focus. It, you know, A lot of these certifications that you go to, it's all about how can you add more value to what you do. But when I was diving into the IOM app, I'm like, holy smokes, these guys are all about you know health coaching, but you guys focus so heavily on the client and actively listening to what the client is trying to tell you and how to cater to their needs based on the intake forms that you get from them.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think where we made the biggest mistake is we thought about exercise first and not through the person that's sitting in front of you. And from a health coaching perspective, it's less about exercise and more about physical activity and trying to get people to fall in love with activity again. And the only way you can do that is you have to create an opportunity for people to actually love movement. The only way they're going to love movement is if it connects with them. Mm-hmm. And so that was something we learned early on with PTA global and we carried it on through IOM. When we started IOM, it was very, well, this is how the body works. It was very, um, it was integrated, but the way in which we were teaching it was very complicated. It was very in depth and it was for a very select few coaches that would truly understand it at the level we were teaching it at. And then it, you, but we needed to do that because we needed to give ourselves permission for people to go, ooh, who is IOM and what is it that, they're, that they do and what is it that they're talking about?
0: You had to establish some credibility.
1: You betcha. And so then it evolved over the next few years into moving from a company that was, that was around education for very high-level coaches to, well, now this is a company about health. And now we're going to help transition coaches, whether you're at a really high level or maybe you're a nurse and you want to have a bigger impact through physical activity. Then now we're going to teach you how to coach health. Wow! And so that was the that was the big shift that we made in November of I think it was November 2016. Yeah, November of 2016, we made that shift where it was like, guys, we're now a health company, and uh, and so we've been in the process of you know, as you know, developing an app. And so that app that we developed was, you know, there's 198 three to five minute lessons on there of how to evolve from personal trainer into health coach. And, um, that's, what's been really kind of cool is again, having to look at the world through a different lens and then even how to look at education through a different lens. And that, Human beings, they self-organize when they learn. So why are we asking them to buy a textbook and read a te- sit down and read a textbook and then at the end hope that you grasp that information? Mm-hmm. Instead, we're going to give it to you in bite-sized, five-minute little segments, let you digest it, go apply it, and then come back and we'll give you a little bit more. And uh, so that was our whole process in developing the idea behind our health coaching app is to deliver education in a way that's... Authentic and in a way that is actually um, fundamental to how biology works.
0: Yeah, and it's brilliant. I mean, it it is so efficient. I mean, my wife will tell you because I got. I mean, for a week or two, I was just on fire when I really started diving into the app. I mean, I was going crazy. I'm like, oh my gosh, you can't believe what I learned, and it's so helpful and like informative. It just, it, I mean, it shatters what everybody else is doing right now. Nobody else can even compete with what IOM is doing in as far as just like providing information to people that it's a lot more digestible and practical for people to, to handle.
1: I think that's what, where we made a failure of early in all our careers as educators and as personal trainers is that this stuff's really complicated. Like being a coach is not an easy job. Being a personal trainer is definitely not an easy job And understanding the human body is probably the single most almost near impossible thing to truly comprehend because we still haven't figured it out. It's the most amazing entity on this planet. And yet we're still just, I think, hitting the tip of the iceberg as to what we can learn about the human body. So if we are 20 years in the making of trying to understand this information, and then we have to deliver that to somebody that, is it maybe an accountant who doesn't do sciences and doesn't geek out on it like we do? How are we ever going to make it stick for them, right? You yeah. can't come at them with that level of of knowledge and expect for them to understand it. So our job is to make it make sense in a way that's meaningful to them. And that was our, that was our whole design and is not only to just do this for coaches, but now to do this for the world. Like our goal is to... Deliver this on at scale for an entire government. How are they going to distribute this information to their citizens so that they can have a healthy, happy population?
0: Wow, incredible man! I know doing some huge things, and I'm I'm happy to be moving alongside you guys. This is so cool.
1: Well, we need lots of soldiers with us because the only way we can make this happen is to get lots of folks behind us. N- not help push our agenda, but to move the human race to look at this from the perspective of, guys, we haven't done a very good job in the last 50 years. (laughs) If we (laughs) want to leave a pretty good legacy behind of health and happiness, we got to shift what we're doing right now. And the only way that we can do that is through education and through, uh, I think, moving uh, from a practical standpoint finding solutions that are a lot easier for people to get a hold of, right? Because what we've done in the past, our whole, Hey, go to the gym and work out for three hours, you know, every week. And hopefully you're going to not have heart disease down the road. Well, we know that that's just not true. Yeah. We can teach you to be moved more frequently throughout the day in a, from a physical activity standpoint, not a structured exercise standpoint, then you've got a chance at living a long, successful, fun life. And research is supporting that, that the all cause mortality of doing structured exercise does not move your dial on health. And in fact, it does not prevent some of these all cause, all cause mortalities like cardiovascular disease, type two diabetes, um, coronary heart disease, um, cancer, all these horrific things that are some of the leading causes of, of our death are not satisfied by going to the gym. And so it's, it's, our, it's not just our mandate, I think it's our responsibility as educators is to find solutions for people that will change that and to change behavior around it. Because if we don't change the behavior around it and let people know that this is how you actually combat against this disease. People aren't going to do it. And it's so simple. What we've created is that not only what we've done with IOM, but what I've created with my partner in Canada and company called seven movements is just to take seven take seven minutes every hour and follow this and <laughs> do this little workout for us. These little micro workouts that we've created. You've got a headache. Here's seven minutes do this, follow along with me. I'm going to coach you how to get rid of your headache in seven minutes. With wow. These seven and those are the types of solutions we need to create with people because by asking them to go to the gym is not going to change their behavior. No. And that's where I've had to make this massive shift. And it's weird because here I am a gym or training studio owner actually telling you that coming three days a week is not going to solve your life's problems.
0: no, Definitely, because, I mean, and it's hard for people to go to the gym in the first place, but if you can equip them with the tools necessary to either fix a headache, do some things to help with chronic aches and pains, that's more impactful than just telling them, go to the gym and do some cardio or lift a couple of weights or something like that. It's just, it's not as effective and it doesn't empower them to improve where they are currently in their health.
1: Yeah. And I think if if you start from the perspective of let's improve your health, then the fitness stuff is going to be something that they get rewarded with down the road. And I'm not saying by just being more physically active you're going to be a lot more fit. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that you now probably have the capacity to want to go to the gym and try some of this stuff. Yeah. Because most often people are scared to death of going to the gym. No, that's true. Prospect of it, they don't know what they're doing, so they're like, I mean. I couldn't imagine going and trying something that I've never done and try to have to walk through those doors and hopefully feel proficient enough at it that people aren't going to look at me.
0: Right. It's, I mean, it's a daunting task.
1: It's ridiculous. I'm trying to think of something right now um, that I've never done before that would make me feel confident just walking through those doors and going and doing it. You know, like, Hey, John, you just entered a bowling tournament. Awesome. I bowled like six times in my life.
0: Or skateboarding. Oh you go to a skate park there and let's go. go skate.
1: Yeah, let's go to the skate. That's a really good one because I would scare the ever-living you. <laughs> <laughs> let's oh. just start shredding on the pavement.
0: Dude, I'm right there with you, Johnny. I am awful at skateboarding. But I know what you're saying. Man, you know what? I feel like we could go on for hours and hours, but I want to respect your time. I just have a couple more questions to uh, – to ask you just to wrap up and i definitely want to do this again man this has been so great i'm so uh, thankful that you're providing us with this knowledge because it's it's incredible i mean unreal
1: yeah i'd love to do it again thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to, to chat with you i mean this is the stuff that i think we need to let other coaches know that we've been there we know what they're experiencing we know what they're feeling but guess what there's solutions to how you're feeling and if you're thinking about leaving the industry Don't connect with some other people that have been in your shoes that can help mentor you through this process because both you and I have have gone through that process and we've come out the other side uh, enormously successful and happy doing what we get to do every day. I mean, are you kidding me? I get to live in short pants and playing my pajamas (laughs) all day long and people are handing me cash for it. It's awesome.
0: It's awesome, man. It's absolutely incredible. So the first thing, Johnny, I want to ask you is What is one principle in fitness that you know to be true? Something that just, no matter what, no matter who you can apply it to, it stands firm.
1: Yeah. The human body is subservient to forces. So um, a good example of that is, you know how we, we had to take physiology in school, right? Yeah. But the... The definition I love best of physiology is physiology is the body's response to physics. And so nothing in your body works without gravity being there Mm -hmm. and without ground reaction force. And so ground reaction force has to transmit through the body. So our tissues are conduits, if you will. Our tissues are conduits of force and force has to move through the body. Energy cannot be created nor destroyed, and force has to transmit through us. And the more efficient you get at moving, the better you are at mitigating that force through your body. So, what a lot of people don't realize is that your body is designed in such a way to be efficient and effective and not to make things harder. So, your purpose as a coach, as a movement coach or movement professional, is to get people to move more efficiently so that they can spread that force out through their body. They can do that by creating good mobility in joints, by creating a sound, resilient, robust architecture, it, which is the human body. And to be able to replicate that efficiently over and over and over again, you're going to have a healthy healthy body that's going to go along with a healthy mindset. Because if you're pain-free, then you're going to live a long time being able to do the things that you really love to do.
0: Yeah, and you're going to enjoy your life. You no, know, it's uh, Neil, Spru- Neil Spruce, I uh, had him on a couple episodes ago. He said increasing your, uh, what is it, your play span. So just doing the things that you like to enjoy most.
1: I absolutely love that. Because if you, if you have the ability to do what you love doing and you're enjoying that, then you, you're going to want to keep moving. But unfortunately, pain comes from our brain, and it sells us signals that there's danger going on. And nine times out of ten, it's because you got something that isn't moving well. Yep. And you have your body's become inefficient at spreading force through the body. And so when I'm doing athletic therapy for people and when I'm doing uh, movement therapy for people, it all comes down to being able to get that force to move back through that person. And uh, so that's what I know to be true because every time someone says, I've got pain here and I can make it disappear in five or 10 minutes, it's because we've provided <laughs> the environment to create safety for them. And, uh, and we've created some purposeful movement that allows force to move back through them. And so that's what's kind of cool about what I get to do every day is folks get to come in and say, this really bothers me. And then by the time they leave, it doesn't bother them anymore. So that's what I know to be true.
0: And amen to that, Johnny. Uh, Who is or was a significant mentor in your development?
1: Oh, wow. I've got so many of them. I've listed a bunch of them already in this talk. All the guys at PTA Global, um, all the guys that I used to work with at World Health, they – I mean, Jeff Thirsk, I think my GM, he was, not only became one of my most closest friends, but um, really helped me understand what this business was about and not necessarily teaching me directly, but watching him indirectly uh, how to operate a club was just beautiful to watch. Um, I, uh, I, I would say the person that, in this, that isn't in this industry that has probably moved me the most has been my wife. And, Great um, answer. She is the person that allows me to do what I do best every day. I don't have to take care of myself. She completely takes care of me. <laughs> um, she runs the business from the back end. She uh, makes sure that I'm fed. She makes our house look beautiful. It's a loving environment. She takes care of our two dogs, which are our entire life. There's, um, There's no question that whatever I've strive to do and I've dragged her along through the mud through a lot of stuff um there's no other person that I could think of that would be a better mentor in terms of how to just be an amazing human being than my wife
0: that's fantastic I'm sure she appreciates that Johnny
1: I hope she didn't hear it because she, she'll be all embarrassed now she's hiding in another room and her <laughs> she doesn't like that I bring her up in any conversation but in reality it she's She's my best friend. We've been together. uh, We grew up together in that town in Saskatchewan, and we've been together now for almost 20 years.
0: Wow, congratulations. thanks. That's awesome. All right, so the final question here. It's the end of your days. You finally passed, but you come back as a ghost, and you visit your tombstone. What does your tombstone
1: say? Wow, that's crazy. Um it would probably have some sort of really weird music lyric to it or something like that like it would pro- i'd probably have to steal something because i'm not very original <laughs> um, it might be you know something from freebird like from Leonard skinnerd or something like that um hopefully by the time i'm dead like your tombstone will actually have like a video
0: it probably there. will there'll be like an led screen yeah. on it
1: right how cool would that be oh, it would be awesome um, you know what i th- i think it's um would have something to say with, you know, he inspired the world to move. And, um, hopefully we can, we can continue, continue to do that in the next 50 years is just continue to inspire the world to move. And that's not necessarily physically, but mentally, emotionally, spiritually move as the human race just to be better. Cause I think we can all be a little bit better in, in all aspects. So
0: drop the mic right there, Johnny. That was awesome. So Thank you, my friend. last thing, you know, where can people find you? How can we connect with you?
1: Yeah. So if you're thinking social media, you can reach me on Instagram at authentic health coach, all one word. Um, if you want to connect with me through Facebook, it's John Sinclair. I live in sunrise, Florida. Um, so that would pop up there for you. Um, and then we've got some really exciting things. Obviously the, um, our IOM health coaching app. You can find that at the um, Apple and Android stores. So you can go on there and download platform by IOM. And also our new website just launched today, actually, for uh, mytake7.com, which is the the, uh, website I told you about that has... Um, our solutions for people to get rid of their pain, their aches, their discomforts while they're working at the office. So you go to mytake7.com and get involved there with us, and check out the website and give us lots of feedback. It's a monthly membership at seven dollars a month. So you mytake7.com, seven dollars a month, and get involved. If you know people that work at an office, like a lot of us have to do, being sit. Seated for a long period of time, it's a great place to uh, go and get some resources how to take care of your aches and pains while you're at the office.
0: Excellent. I'll be sure to put that in the show notes, Johnny. Thank you.
1: Thank you, my friend.
0: All right. Any final words?
1: Hey, get out there and go make a change. You're an agent of change, and your ability to help make people feel a little bit better. Um, you will be a major impact in people's lives. So keep plugging away and keep doing this. It's the greatest career in the world and it's the opportunity of a lifetime to actually create some change for folks. So um, keep your nose to the grindstone, keep your stick on the ice and your head up.
0: Stick on the ice. I love it, man. All right, Johnny, thank you so much. It's been quite a pleasure.
1: All right, buddy. Take care of yourself. Thanks for having me. You too. Take care,
0: man. That's it for this episode of the Principles of Fitness, everyone. I want to give Johnny a special thanks for being with us on the show today. If you enjoyed today's episode, please like, share, leave a comment on iTunes, and stay tuned for the next episode of the Principles of Fitness because we feature another member of the Institute of Motion family. That's right. I'm bringing them all on board. It is Mr. Derek Price, and I'm stoked to have him on. So stay tuned for the next episode of the
1: Principles of Fitness.